to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Gina and Eric Robinson, and we are walking through the Kings. Yes. We're in 2 Kings 11 today, mm-hmm. and we had talked just briefly about the first three verses, but we'll probably go back in that just a little bit before we start. It's kind of uh, <laughs> transition between the ugliness of a very illegitimate type of monarchy that has, you know, uh, come to the throne in Judah and then the transition to something much right. better. And so right. just kind of moving into this. It's a great story, actually. Yeah. We're talk about today. Yeah, really great. But unknown, like you said, I mean, it's one of those mm-hmm. things you don't even think about. If you never really focus on it, you don't you forget, even if you've known ever, you forget that there was once a time when Judah only had a queen on the throne and no king. And there's only one brief period when either the North or the South had this, and it was the South, and it was this lady right here. And she's not, she's the only monarch who sits on the throne in Judah who is not a, in the Davidic line. Right. Yes. So So talk about illegitimate. Right. And, and talk about such an obvious picture of the later Jezebel character uh, as she goes through scripture, this whoring woman who leads people astray, leads giant people groups astray, threatens to lead followers of Yahweh astray all the time. We see that picture painted throughout scripture and it's certainly coming up still in the last book of revelation and she is one who entices people away from him and leads them into whoring adulteries and you know that is Mm -hmm. primarily a picture of spiritual adultery and so boy can we ever see it coming out here so of course she's not in the line of david we'd say because typologically that fits so perfectly she shouldn't be she's she's taking people away from god she's leading she is actually ahab's she is yes and so she is she is what is left of the Amrid dynasty Mm -hmm. of ahab's line and has made it into the south too it's as if uh, as if the line of ahab has swollen and infected mm-hmm. uh judah. judah as well and so we can see how how right. ugly it's gotten throughout israel not just the north yeah right which i think is interesting because we've just seen jehu come in mm-hmm. and with this you know yeah well, with a mandate from god and yeah. his sword is swinging he boy, has taken yeah. out all the Amrid descendants yes which is the reason the her son has been killed even. Right. Yeah. Right. Jay, her son, who was king of the South, happened to be right. <laughs> maybe wrong place, wrong time. I don't know what you'd say, but he should not have been where he was when Jehu came in because Jehu had no problem killing him too. Right. So winds up Jehu winds up ending the dynasties in both the North and the South, or ending the not the dynasty of David, um, certainly in the South, but ending the kingship, both the north and the south, and ending the dynasty of the north with ever when Ahab's house is is no more. So, but still takes out Ahab's connect the connection to Ahab in the south as well right. when he takes out Ahab's. Uh, but Athaliah is still alive. Yeah, and Athaliah and is she small, takes the is the one who yes 
consolidates power very quickly by killing everyone she can who might rise to the throne and then takes it for herself. In fact, in these first three verses, it looks like she has taken out all of the descendants of David. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it first starts in verse one. You feel like that's maybe where we are and then quickly find out maybe, maybe there's a chance still. There's there's something secretive going on. Tiny bit of hope. Yeah. So do you want to read these first three verses or do we want to just talk about them for a second? Let's read them. Why don't you read these for us? Yeah. Okay. Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus they hid him from Athaliah. So he was not put to death and he remained with her six years hidden in the house of the Lord while Athaliah reigned over the land. Now, like you've already said, we referenced this last time, but we'll make a mention of a couple of things before we begin here. Obviously, Athaliah, whose name means removed by Adonai, removed by the Lord is another way of saying talking about the Lord that could also be used for just a person. Sometimes it is many times it is, but here it's talking about God. So Athaliah's name means removed by the Lord. So we already know who God's got a plan for her. (laughs) Yep, exactly. We are already aware. Uh, And then we see that as she's tried to destroy any heir who might come to the throne, that wouldn't be connected to her and would remove her power. See, she's got power as long as Athaliah, her son, is on the throne. She's got the power of the queen mother, which is extensive. And you mean Ahaziah. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Ahaziah, her son, yes. <laughs> yes. And so um, Athaliah still got power as long as Ahaziah is on the throne. But now he's been removed. She's scared of losing her power. So she starts killing any sons he might have had with right. other mothers, which would be a natural thing for kings to yes. do. Kings but had multiple sons. And, but yeah, in, in yes, very yeah. much so. I mean, she's killing grandkids here and she has no, no, of course, uh, emotional about yeah, qualms about that. She just wants to keep her power very much. The picture of the evil. She's kind of idolatry. The Yes. Who destroys rather than nourishes mm-hmm. uh, and nurtures well this said. royal seed that yes. uh, has been, I mean, God has promised that David, David's line will go on. Yes. The seed through whom we're going to see everything happen. And so she is trying to destroy it. Perfect. Because when he hides, uh, who hides, young Joash or Jehoash, however, we're going to wind up saying it, which we're going to start with Joash. Don't get confused. It says it both ways. The same person. Yeah. The one who hides him right here in verse two, steals away and hides him, is named Jehoshaphat. You just talked about God's promise. Her name is, means Yahweh's oath. And she's Mm -hmm. the one who hides the baby. Can't tell you how important that name is to understanding what's going on here. The because of the oath of Yahweh, the baby is protected. That's how it works. And so she, with her name, is very much a picture of the fact that God has chosen 
her to hide the baby because he's in the line of David and God's not going to allow that the line of David ends here. He's made a promise. God made a promise, an oath. And because of that oath, he's going to maintain David's line. So she steals him away. And we said last time, hides him in a bedroom. And then they hid him from Athaliah uh, so that he was not put to death. So again, we have the threat of infanticide here. Right, which doesn't this sound like Moses? Takes us right back to Moses right. and then shoots us forward to Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> so, so, so again, boy, talk about types uh, coming together here. We're watching as God continues to use this same typology throughout the Old Testament where there is this threat even in infancy to what God plans to do to rescue his people and to save them ultimately uh, from the evil of the world and the destruction of the world, even and even when the world tries to kill them as helpless little babes, God is here to miraculously save and keep them going. And of course, when you see Jesus, you're like, oh, there it is, the one who finally um, the one who is the true son of David, who will come to the throne, who will be, uh, there will be an attempt on his life in infancy by an evil ruler uh, who will, and but God will protect and hide him away because the ultimate oath of God will come true in him. I mean, that's what the typology is so extensive. It's right. just it's ridiculous. Beautiful. And yeah. the contrast between her and Athaliah mm-hmm. is stark here so stark Um, so stark. she is the true mother Mm -hmm. who's uh there to protect the seed yep Um, make sure he's nursed and then it says and we don't know here when we read these first three verses Mm -hmm. that he is a baby oh right absolutely yeah we're not 100 you're right we have actually we don't don't know know. but we're told in verse three well i think uh in verse three when we're told um six years that he remains with her six years hidden in the house of the lord which that itself is a beautiful picture mm-hmm. he's growing up in god's presence um, in the I, temple the, yep so we, I, I remember i was mentioned in this last time of all right. the great places to hide a baby from athaliah it turns out putting him in yahweh's temple is the best place he could be right. because she's never going to go in there, there. Right. she has no concern for yahweh um, and but then, it doesn't tell us he's a baby. You're right. It doesn't tell us. And then so know that is at the end of the chapter it says jo, uh, Jehoash, same as Joash, yeah, was seven years old when he began to reign. So he had to be a very in his seventh reign. That means that he tried to kill them as a baby, and there we have our typology coming out. The picture of him as a baby and growing those first six years in the temple, hidden away in the temple, is pretty amazing. It even makes me think, although uh, Samuel wasn't hidden away, he came to the presence of the Lord, that same kind of, again, the typology that so now we have another typological connection back to Samuel for uh, for Joash and so again we're expecting great things from this young man because there's such strong positive ties typologically to others before him so excellent right. point excellent point so um, all of this also I think it's else? interesting that I just want to say this yeah. real quick that uh, Thalia 
who we mentioned is the first, the only, actually, uh, person to sit on the throne in the South who is not of the Davidic line. Yeah. Um, that the writer here is giving a nod to that because we don't even have the same formula for introducing a new monarch. Uh, the opening of her reign and the way it closes. It doesn't say the things that it normally says. If right. you go back and read and notice yep. how it talks about the other monarchs, it doesn't yes. do any of that for Athaliah. It's as if she didn't reign at all. Okay. Uh, yeah. So attentive, of course, to what you're reading and, and we're not, used to this kind of talk, but it would be as if, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good I love the way literally. Yeah. Um, it would be like if we recorded uh, our presidents and how they all take their presidency and we talk of, use the same words to talk about how their uh, um, inauguration went and uh, and then how they closed out how their their term was closed out and then we don't use any of those words when we talk about a certain president as if to say yeah we don't even acknowledge that person right. as a president and you would notice if you were reading one after the other after the other you'd be like why didn't they yeah. say that there yeah so they've done that for us which is beautiful but you might not realize why they're doing it unless you think for a minute oh okay that's yeah, why i wanted to point it out just because it's I think that's it's great. Such a cool literary technique. Yes, beautiful device. Telling it's more than it's on the page. Love it. So um, then we go to verse four. So let's start there uh, this time, and we'll read from. I think we'll break this into two parts. Four through twelve would be a good place, probably, for us to go first. But in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of the Karaites and of the guards, and had them come to him in the house of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them, and put them under oath in the house of the Lord. And he showed them the king's son, and he commanded them, This is the thing you shall do. One third of you, those who come off duty on the Sabbath and guard the king's house, another third being at the gate, sir, and a third at the gate behind the guards, shall guard the palace. And the two divisions of you, which come on duty in force on the Sabbath and guard the house of the Lord on behalf of the king shall surround the king, each with his weapons in his hand. And whoever approaches the rank, ranks is to be put to death. But, uh, let's see, be with the king when he goes out and when he comes in. The captains did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded, and they each brought his men who were to go off duty on the Sabbath with those who were to come on duty on the Sabbath and come to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave to the captains the spears and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. And the guards stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, from the south side of the house to the north side of the house, around the altar and the house on behalf of the king. Then he brought out the king's son and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony. And they proclaimed him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, long live the king. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So now should we mention Jehoiada first? And yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a character that I, we talk, I think, it, didn't we talk about him 
uh, when he made an appearance yet? I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think he so. has actually. He I think this first. <laughs> yeah, but he's the priest who's over the house now, where the child is living. So that's right. kind of our idea is that he's become a become a protector, and we'll see even mentor of right. the young Jehoash who's grown up in the house of the Lord, which would seem natural now because this priest has taken him under his wing and really kind of poured into him mm -hmm. the importance of Yahweh and what it means to serve Yahweh and and uh, how strong an emphasis he needs to place there. And so not a surprise that then he's going to become a great reforming king for us. We're going to be very happy with how he goes. But I think in large part it has to do with Jehoiada. Now Jehoiada's name literally means Yahweh knows or yes. knowledge of Yahweh yes. or Yahweh's knowledge or something like that. Um, so that, again, great, interesting, you know, name that he had meaning to his name. So he's the one who knows Yahweh, knows about Yahweh, and is pouring into young Jehoash as he's growing right. up in. He's the first the significant priest we've seen since the time of Solomon, actually, right. um, which is interesting because yeah. you would have thought this would have all been about the temple and the priests and all of that when we started, but that's true. Uh, we have heard so little, little about the temple ever since Yahweh or ever, ever since Sol Solomon built it way back in first Kings. And so, so there's been not much emphasis on it since that it tells time. us that the Kings that have come since then have just not been paying that much mm -hmm. attention. Yeah. Um, and so this is the, uh, anyway, we're hearing about this priest yes. all of a sudden and he's actually going to play almost like a prophetic role here yeah. he's like a prophet yeah. he's, and it's and very strong and we haven't seen the um you know jehu came in the south and kind of cleaned everything out and we really haven't seen that in the south yet so yes I'm so Jehoiada, I think, is going to play a significant role in that. That reason that you're saying right there, because Jehoiada will be kind of Jehu figure, and Athaliah will be kind of a Jezebel figure, and the same things are going to play out in the South that are played out in. We're actually going to parallel those in a second, and uh, thanks to Peter Lightheart, and we'll talk about a little bit more about that so in this is happening in the seventh year mm -hmm. so i guess this is the seventh year of athaliah's reign well yes it will be reign. probably the start the seventh first year. year of yeah maybe the start of the seventh year exactly yeah. maybe the start of the second year or maybe you could actually say yeah is that what it says about athaliah that she reigned for it's uh for how long she reigned it doesn't even tell us that, it's not the same right. as the other it's not that same or queen thing. you know so we don't have yeah. a but it, we could we might even say she reigned for six years if depending on how you're going to because it's the child's seventh year we but we that. don't know that here it just no. says but in the seventh year and it's been talking about athaliah okay so i don't know well but but I, i'm just referencing verse three and he remained with her six years. He right. remained with her six years. So I'm just thinking, okay, maybe 
maybe right as his seventh year of age begins, maybe or seventh year being in the temple. I don't know. However, you're going to say it. Whatever, whatever it means. But but I'm only thinking that because of the incompleteness or un imperfection of Athaliah. Maybe we should see it as a six. I don't know. That's just a. It would be implicit, but yeah. I just uh, the seventh year is significant. Also, that this is time. It's complete. It's yeah. Yeah. Right. The perfect time. It's uh, also this has a sub- Sabbath mm-hmm. reference with it, uh, as yeah, Lightheart pointed out, and I think is very interesting. Um, so he takes these um, captains of the guards and the yeah. captains of the Karats, uh, yeah. which Karats would basically be special forces, right? So mm-hmm. even their their captains, soldiers, right. yeah. And has them come to the house of the Lord. Now, I I love that he makes a covenant with them first. Yeah. There's yep. a lot about covenant in here. Yep. Uh, and he makes a covenant with them and puts them under an oath. And then. And then he shows them, we've got this child. This is right. David's son in the line of David. He's, we're about to put him on the throne. And he's charging them with. Guard him. guard him with your life. There is nobody who gets to this child. Right. This is about to become open. And when it does, it's going to upset some people. And you guys' job right. is to defend this boy at all costs. He's saying, get ready. And yeah. Be prepared. And, I, you know, this is a little convoluted the way it's talking about a third of you and, a, and all this yeah. stuff. It's hard to picture. But what he's really just saying is he's putting... Everybody's on duty. This yes, day. everybody is on duty. This is important. Guard this child with your life. Yeah, and um, yeah. so they do it. And and in what you just read, you know, they they're having this little coronation ceremony is still in secret here. Right. That's what we're seeing. So verses nine through twelve, we've kind of got a secret coronation in the fact that it's taking place in the house of the Lord. And they've uh, got their, he, the priest Jehoiada has given the spears and so spears and shields that belong to King David that had been right. used under David's reign are given to these Karaites. So again, there's another little allusion to us that, oh, so it's kind of like getting, it truly is like getting a David-like figure back uh, because we're using the same same spears and shields that we used during his reign are going to be used now. So we're feeling good about this. This is a good thing. This is a big uh, moment. Yeah. They're putting this crown on him and they're anointing uh, him and proclaiming him king. And they're clapping yeah. and yelling, long live the king. Yes, long live the king. So it's a big shout that they're giving up. Yay. They're very happy to have a king in the line of David back. I'm sure Athaliah wasn't making a lot of people happy while she was on the throne. Oh, it doesn't sound like there's it. No, the yeah, there's an indication. Right. <laughs> there's a whole lot of a groundswell of enjoyment um, about her. Nobody seems too sad that she's gone. So. Right. Okay. It, and and I would just say, could we're, we're going to find out she's she's a bell worshiper too, and she's definitely right. allowed all that in in force. So it's not that she has no backing at all. There would be a contingent of uh, apostate Judaism that has very much followed her too. But there's certainly those who are still aligned with Yahweh and what it means to be a Yahweh follower, and they want to see 
Yahweh's covenant with David made obvious through his king again. So, and she's a foreigner. Remember, these yeah. are the most of the people who live in the south are of the line of Judah, mm-hmm. Judah and Benjamin. Yeah. And so she's coming from they they know she's not one of them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. she's killing off David's descendants. Yep. Yeah. And so there's a reason they're not happy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, now would be a good time, I think, to go on into the rest of this section, which will take us from verse 13. And go ahead and catch verse 21, the last verse in the chapter for us. When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she went into the house of the Lord to the people. And when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar according to the custom and the captains and the trumpeters beside the king and all the people of the land rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And Athaliah tore her clothes and cried, treason, treason. Then Jehoiada, the priest commanded the captains who were set over the army, bring her out between the ranks and put to death with the, uh, yeah, put to death with the sword, anyone who follows her. For the priest said, let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they laid their hands on her and she went through the horse's entrance to the king's house and there she was put to death. And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they should be put, they should be the Lord's people and also between the king and the people. Then all the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down. His altars and his images, they broke in pieces. And they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest posted watchmen over the house of the Lord. And he took the captains, the Karaites, the guards, and all the people of the land. And they brought the king down from the house of the Lord, marching through the gate of the guards to the king's house. And he took his seat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced. And the city was quiet after Athaliah had been put to death with the sword at the king's house. Okay. Jehoash was seven years old when he began to reign. Sorry, I almost jumped in on you after I told you <laughs> to be sure and catch that last verse. Yep. Uh, it's broken in our Bible. It's so weird. Um, but uh, yeah, this is the, so the continuation of our story from a moment ago. Athaliah hears that noise that mm-hmm. we had talked about a moment ago okay, where everybody's like, yeah, long live the king. Yeah, exactly. I think so. Yeah. Big noise goes up uh, among the guard and people. She goes into the house of the Lord to the people. She looks and there's the king standing by a pillar, according to custom and the captains and the trumpeters beside the king. So, and everybody's rejoicing. And that's when Athaliah screams treason. Now it's obvious that there's, coronation going on she is unaware of this and this is very upsetting to her he's standing there with the testimony in his hand verse 12 which would be a uh, some most of your translations probably point you to the fact that that is a copy of the law that he's holding which is what that more than likely is um copy of the law and so that is he is very much this is a ceremony that is taking place to install him as the new king She's crying treason because, of course, she's unaware of this and she feels Which, like she's the queen and technically she is. And right. so, yeah. But it kind of reminds you of um, 
when Jehu comes after Joram mm-hmm. and kills him, and Joram much, uh, fled, saying to Ahaziah, "Treachery, O oh, Ahaziah!" Yep. The same. He has become aware of secret coronation that has gone on before he knew about it, which is exactly how Jehu's coronation happens. If y'all remember, if our listeners remember, it happened in a back room in a place where, you know, a prophet came in and didn't make a big show of it, took Jehu in the back room and anointed him king. And then whenever he came out and told his friends, they all shouted, yay, absolutely, Jehu should be king. They're happy with this idea. And uh, and so very much taking place similar to this. As a matter of fact, we could make those connections right now. Should we take a second to do that? Sure. Um, the the What you've just read in chapters 11, where we watched Jehu and all that Jehu did there in chapter 11. And, uh, and now as we're going through, oh, I'm sorry, all that Jehu did in 9 uh, and a little bit of 10. So starting at 9-1 and a little bit of 10 was all Jehu. And then in 11, what we've just read, uh, and we'll continue to read about Joash, or I have just read all the way through, these are very much parallel to one another. So what we're watching is the north be cleansed by a king that was anointed in secret and then has come out and become public. And now we're going to watch as things transpire under his, uh, under Jehu's reign in the north. And we're getting to see that in the south as well. Very similar Mm -hmm. with ties, as we've already said, Jezebel in the north, Athaliah in the south, the Baal worship in the north, the Baal worship in the south, all of this. So Jehu's secret coronation took place in 9, 1 through 10. Joash's secret coronation takes place in 11, 4 through 8. The trumpets announce a new king in 9.13, Jehu. The trumpets announce a new king in 11.14, and that's Joash. Number three, shouts of Jehu is king take place in 9.13. Number three, to compare, shouts of law take place in 11.12, and that's uh, Joash. Next would be a king cries treason. That's uh, Jehoa. Jeho. Hmm. I'm not at Jehoram. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jehoram. sorry. In 923, a king cries treason in 923. Uh, in the south, as we've just read, a queen cries treason in 1114. In the north, Jehu has Jezebel killed in 930 through 37. In the south, as we've just seen, Jehoiada has Athaliah killed in 1115. Mm-hmm. And then number six, the final one, the house of Baal is destroyed in 10, 18 through 28. And as we just listened a moment ago, as you were reading for us in the south, it's the house of Baal destroyed in 1118. So this is just mirror typology, mirror parallelism going on as we're watching God clean out the north and then clean out the south and give his people in both places a chance at restart, as -hmm. it were. So that's what should be able to take place now is a better move forward. The completion of... uh the taking out of the Amrit dynasty mm-hmm. 
and the house of Ahab. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. This is a big, giant, sweeping uh, judgment on both North and South evil monarchies that have in mm -hmm. fact been infected and, mm -hmm. and gone astray. And right. yes. I mean, originally it was the North, but they've infected the South. That's right. Because of intermarriage, because of the way the families have worked, they have become entangled. And this is the ugliness of what happens when that happens. And so if we Why? go forward to Ezekiel and read chapter 16, chapter 23, we get to see what happens and how mad God is because the sister Judah didn't see her older sister Israel uh, ahead of her who went down ugly paths and got totally demolished because of it mm -hmm. and didn't come away, back away from that ugliness and instead ran down the same path. And God is so dismayed over this. How could they do that? They shouldn't have, didn't they see what was going to happen? Didn't they know? But they too. That's why they too get bad carried choices. away. So we've said this before, but that's why we continue to see mirroring king names, mirroring things that are happening, like with Athaliah and Jezebel, that they may sound confusing to us, but it is confusing because they have become intertwined and confused with one another. Athaliah has not, or <laughs> Judah has not freed itself from the same ugliness that's happened in Israel. And so it too is a becomes a mirror image of what's happened up there and that's why we've read what we've read even but, but this is a at least a positive this feels like a positive moment for everybody oh i think it is yeah and then the, and then taking covenant making covenants he makes sure the joy to make sure that they make a covenant between the lord and the king and the people that they should be the lord's people yes it's covenants a, are made. a big deal that they're making these covenants. Yes. Um, and what you said about Jezebel and Athaliah, we can see both of them in here. Uh, even that she and Peter Lightheart pointed this out. I probably wouldn't have noticed it. But uh, so they laid their hands on her and she went through the horse's entrance to the king's house. Her Jezebel is trampled under Jehu's horse. So there's even that little connection just to yeah. make sure we see that the, the same thing is happening. Um, Great point. And then also this taking down of the Temple of Baal. And um, I, I love that the people are all resolved. Yes, they're all doing yeah. um, But it takes us back to Deuteronomy 12 when they were entering the promised land and God told them, he said, you shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of, uh, out of that place. And so that's exactly what that's the order Jehoiada is calling them to do. It's the order of what's happening. And verse 8. Yeah. Right. And that has to happen before they're going to take uh, Joash and put him on the throne. Right. Yeah. He's already been anointed, he, yeah. but he will sit on the throne and begin to reign. And so, um, and I love that it talks about the peace, the rest 
So all the people yeah. of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, quiet. after Athaliah had been put to death. With I think that's what's happening. For him to be seven years old, that's how he started yeah, in verse 21. He's seven years old. So that a, becomes a big symbolic marker for us. Uh, it's a time of peace and quiet. It's the yeah. seventh year. It's his seventh year. So it's like a Sabbath year. That's what the, oh, so it's that. It should be, this could be a really good time for Israel under his kingship where there's peace. Looking forward to what's going to be next. Yes. Yes. In this chapter. Uh, we've gone over time, but I think it's been valuable. Yeah, we it was hard to quit in the middle of any of that. So. Yes, yes. Y'all can see the play here, so very. This is, becomes very interesting for us, just as a pointer forward to an ultimate king who will come, who uh, will also bring true peace with mm -hmm. him, and that's what we're looking forward to him. But we're going to watch what Joash does in that light too, just looking forward. Oh, is this telling us anything about what will ultimately take place yeah. whenever Jesus comes? It feels the... like such a good moment. Like the people have, evil has been eradicated. Right. The people have all joined in yeah. uh, to take care of this. This priest slash prophet has anointed a new king and um, yeah. he's from the line of David. And we just feel hopeful. They've made covenants between them and God and, you know, this three-pronged covenant here. And it all feels good at this point. So oh, yeah. it's a great story. Terrific story. I am, uh, I am loving every bit of this. So uh, I'm sure you all can hear the, the cool things that are coming out, which will continue to come out as we go. We will look forward to talking to you all more next week as we continue in this Joash, Jehoash reign uh, and watch what he does. But it's very important for us. I think you'll see, uh, especially typologically. So hope you have a great week. Uh, feel free to obviously read ahead. We would love it if you did. Take a look at that. We'll get back into it very soon. And we hope you have a great few days, guys. God bless.